Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. All right. <laughs> Hello, welcome back to Osbiz uh, Live from our Barangaroo Studios. Great to have you company as we kick off the afternoon here uh, with the call. Um, 10 stocks picked by you. I put them to our expert panel. We do it all in one hour on this Monday, the 6th of February. Let's bring in the panel. Josh Barker from Macro. Josh, good to see you. Francesco Destratus from Ord Minute. Good to see you, Francesco. David. Good yeah, to see well. you as well. Yeah, good. Well, thank you. Bit going on today. Um, let's get stuck straight into it. Uh, this half hour, first half of the call, we're going to be covering Adairs. Aeris Resources. I didn't know Solpats owned thirty percent of it, uh, part of their portfolio. Uh, Northern Star, Topical, Gold Miners today. Uh, Viva Energy and Amcor. Stock of the day though. I thought I'd pick Nick Scarly. Half year earnings show revenue up fifty seven percent. While profit for the half year up 80%, shareholders will receive a fully frank dividend of 40 cents a share. Company says January trade had exceeded expectation, but would be difficult to provide guidance until later in the year. The group plans to open four new stores in the second half of the financial year. Um, it's Look at that, down 12% mm. today. Uh, market a bit rattled by this, Francesco. Were you? Yeah, look. Well, I wouldn't say rattled, but um, you know, initially confused until you read the outlook statement. Um, you know, it, it was a really good result, uh, but the question I would put to is, you know, is this the top of the market for them? Yep. Um, you know, January strongest trading month. Well, you know, January's been pretty good for everyone, uh, but these interest rate uh, hikes um, could start biting. Um, Nick Scarley tends to be top end um, uh, retail. Yep. Um, but you might lose some, you know, some consumers that are at the top end, but may move down to the middle, middle of the road consumption. Oh, so I got that. This new one is a plush, is it? Yeah, they've invested in down. another le- next level down. But the question, yeah. you know, obviously at plush they lose some uh, consumers down to the to the right. lower end of the consumption. Right. Yeah, when yeah. you're at the top end of consumption, there's no one coming in from the from yep. the top above you. Um, so so you know the market's going to be tough for them into 2023 with interest rate rises as well. Um, and opening four new stores, that's an investment, you know, in one hand, they're looking at expansion, but in the, on, on the other word, they're saying that they're going into a tough environment. So yep. I think the market's looked at this and said, well, you know, maybe the, uh, the good times might be coming to an end for them yes. in the short term. But we had these trading updates only two or three weeks ago from the retailers yeah. who, are, who are saying, great December, yes. uh, booming December, yes. da, 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 da. then the ABS figures came out. Uh, retail sales fell off a cliff, yeah. worse than anyone expected, and everyone's going, "What the hell? What's scratching going on our here? heads a bit, aren't we?" Yes. Yeah. So a lot of this is looking in the rearview mirror too, you know, yeah. and, and and the retailers are saying, "Yeah, they've had a good um, um, end of the year." I think you'll find that with restrictions and shutdowns and things like that, consumers have been sort of you know had their hands tied for a little bit. Yes, the online 
consumption's been very, very good. Yep. But other at the other end of consumption, um, so things like um, um, you know um, domestic travel, you know accommodation and things like yeah. we've seen you know difficult to get accommodation yeah. uh, in Australia. Yeah. So so I think that the, that's where the con confusion Our lies. Changing. The, the spending pattern changes, but now that interest rate rises are going to start biting in next year, we, we would expect another one um, this week, tomorrow, yeah, yeah. Um, and maybe another one in March for Australians. Right. Well, we think the, the Fed in the US is going to keep going probably until maybe April, May. So so we're, you know, it's been mm. a very fast increase in interest rates, so mm. I think at some point yeah, the consumer is just going to go, hang on a minute, we better, right. we better watch what we're doing. Okay. So you wouldn't be getting into next Garley? No, not in the next Garley. I, 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 you know, if, if I own it, I'd probably be uh, either selling it or, or light, lightening the load. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, profits. Uh, Josh? Yeah, very similar thought. 2023 is meant to be quite a tough year for consumers. Um, you know, this one's still recovering a little bit from its COVID hangover. It's actually up about 60% from its lows. Yep. Um, so it did miss. Uh, the revenue never seemed good, up 57%, but that was about 5% below uh, analyst expectations leading into the report. So I think that's the big difference between the annual report um, and those quarterly updates you mentioned is yep. quarterly updates, okay, they're the numbers and it's obviously past looking. Um, the full financial year results is when you get that forward guidance and you yep. get a lot of uh, analysis from the management of the own firm not to give guidance is, is, is a concern as well. And uh, yeah, we're definitely, um, you know, sort of eyeing that retail recession that might be coming in 2023. So uh, so are you selling Nick Scarley as well? Yep. Take profits? Yeah. Okay. So is there... Are you getting out of retail altogether? I think that's the, we've got a couple on the show today. So I think that's the general theme. I don't think there's any need to be, especially in that, um, pot, you know, sort of uh, really discretionary sector like Nick's Scarly, um, where you don't necessarily have a need to buy those products. Right. As we get the high cost pressures, you know, a lot of fixed uh, mortgages coming off in the middle of the year in line with those interest rates probably peaking in June. Yeah. Uh, the cost pressures are gonna get more and more. Um, you know, savings rates have come down quite a bit after yeah. everyone sort of stashed away a fair bit during COVID. So, yeah, too right. Um, you know, everyone's feeling the bite and uh, the area of the market that's gonna drop off in their spending, as we've seen from the consumer uh, retail numbers, is gonna be that sort of high yeah. end mark. So out of retail altogether? I wouldn't say altogether, but I'd be you know looking very closely at the retail stocks that I have in my portfolio. Definitely, um, right. yeah. There's things like JB Hi-Fi, which I think, yeah, you know, if you look back at the how they performed, they've been very resilient. Um, and I think, you know, a stock like JB Hi-Fi, that you know they're very um, well managed. Yeah, uh, they manage their costs extremely well, yeah. um, and you know they pay a reasonably good dividend. So, you know, depending on you know where people are at and you know sort of what. What, what's their motivation? Okay. If, if their motivation is income, then I'd be happy to hold something like that. Right. But some of Do these supermarkets fall into that? Supermarkets well? fall into non they, they're, they they're non-discretionary. So okay. yeah, and, and, and they're okay. You know, portfolios, you know, you have to hold sort of yeah. woolies and culls, but do you downsize or do you uh, upsize? I'd probably be just be holding, where right. the, you know, wouldn't, okay. wouldn't be overweight or underweight in those. Yeah. yeah, we're more skewed towards those discretionary stocks that have that non-cyclical feel. So, right. you know, for example, baby bunting and those sort of, uh, you know, discretionary stocks that are going to be very consistent in their, you know. So you like baby bunting? Yeah, we like that. They've been smashed. 
in the last month, in the last well, six they weeks. Had, they, yeah. They've recovered quite a bit after the recent update. They had a bit of a squeeze in their margins, and right. uh, a lot of that's due to stamping out a lot of the competition. So they're almost becoming like a monopoly in this space. Right. So they had to take a little bit of a hit okay. to do so. Yeah, yeah cheaper now. Come out of it better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> no, no, that's what I said. They've been, yeah, yeah, they yeah. were hit pretty hard. Mm. So. Yeah, yeah, better be baby yeah. Bundy a good, be good buying at these levels. Yeah, you almost put it in a similar category as to how Nick Scully was, you know, over the last five years. It's been a really strong yeah. um, performer for shareholders. Okay. It's averaged about a six percent yield in that time, which is expected to be maintained. So you're getting above market yield anyway. So you'd switch from Nick Scully to Baby Bundy, yeah, if you wanted to keep a retail exposure. Yeah, definitely. Okay, interesting. All right, uh, let's get into the stocks that <laughs> you want us to have a look at. First one, uh, Summit wants a view on a retailer, uh, a discretionary one. Um, Adairs, the uh, the homewares mm. retailer, does this, Josh, would fall into that category? That it's a very similar business to right. Nick Scarly. Uh, this one has actually taken off quite a fair bit this calendar year, so it's yeah. up about 25% percent in the last five or so weeks um, and that is just with the market movement no fundamental yep. update has actually come out so that's brought it to fair value from from the analyst expectations um, so I think given that you know you may you may sort of cling on to that fairly high yield which a lot of these on paper do seem to have that high yield um, but the dividend payout ratio is about 68 percent in its last report so if it can't substantially grow its earnings then it's not going to be able to pay that dividend right um, so we would view it as somewhat of a dividend trap earnings and dividends are expected to flatline increasing by about half a percent roughly so I just think it's it's not going to be that huge growth story that it has been in the past and Given it's moved 25% in about five weeks, um, I'd be probably capitalising that. Probably uh, even more so given the update from Nick Scarley today. Right, so solid airs. Francesca? We, we, we're a hold. You know, right. you know, we think from a valuation point of view, it's pretty much trading at fair value. So there's no no need to be um, sort of heading for the hills. If it went, right. went went above $3 or so, then you know, probably look to be selling some of it. Um, you know, they've had their issues, you know, store closures and, and, and higher costs, uh, supply chain issues, just like everybody else. Um, they've, you know, the key focus for management, we think, is, is, is the cost, uh, cost efficiencies and, and productivities. Um, so, so they could squeeze some, some um, you know, higher profitability, higher margins out of, out of better productivity, and that's their focus, um, which it should be. Um, but you know it's not really demanding on valuation terms, so mm. we, we'd be looking at hold. I mean, the dividend looks great. You know, the PEs look look very attractive. Um, but all it takes is um, you know a shift in the numbers that the analyst has put out there because of you know the consumer's just gone into the, into hibernation, which yep. is yeah potentially could happen. Um, and then the risk is to those dividend yields get cut. The 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 PEs look you know, start to rise and look very expensive. Yep, okay. All right, so a hold on hold Adairs. On yeah, yeah. Um, next up, Roger wants a view on Aeris Resources, uh, mining and exploration company based in Brisbane, uh, gold, uh, copper, silver, a uh, bit of an explorer. Sol Pattinson owns 30% of it. Mm. Yeah, and there's a reason for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, look, I, I think there's good prospects for copper. Um, yeah, you know, I think the Chinese have got to upgrade a lot of their 
a uh, lot of their grid over the next five years. And there so are really no pure play copper stocks here in Australia, are there? Well, there's, there's a couple. I mean, yeah. but Oz Minerals might come off the yeah. table now. now. Um, uh, you know, when I first started looking at copper a month or two ago, um, or just before the, the, the bid went in for Oz Minerals, it was sort of, well, where else do we look? And, yeah. and Aeris comes in there. Um, look, it's debt free. Um, you know, the... the um, no change to full year guidance in their update that they gave at the end of January, which yeah. was their quarterly numbers. So guidance is there. Our analysts has got the the earnings increasing significantly into 2024. So so mm. whilst the trades on a fairly high PE for this year, we're still into um, early days of production. So um, they've got the PE down to 4.4. So that that earnings number right. jumps quite yeah. significantly. We're talking four times into next year. So. Um, for those that like to take those sort of risks, um, you know, the, the, then you know, there's some some you know, reward there for that sort of risk. I think um, so. Yeah, look, no dividends in it though, because you wouldn't expect that yep. out of this this style of stock. But um, yeah, we've got to buy on it, and I, I, I'd oh, support okay. that as well. Yeah. So what's the um, have you have you got target prices or anything? They well, they've got a valuation of 85 cents on it, so it's not oh. much higher than where it is, but I think that's probably a conservative number from right. the analyst's point of view. Okay. Um, and I, I didn't look at the date on the last um, update on their report, so you know those numbers could be a little bit stale from, say, you know the, the last quarter. So, right, yeah. okay. Uh, but we're expecting you know the, the results to come out very shortly. Mm. Um, so we're going into re- reporting season right at the yeah. moment. You mentioned Nick Scarlett at the beginning of the program. Um, it's going to ramp up with numbers coming through over the next week or two and um, you know it'll be interesting to see what number it's more the guidance I think is important to a lot of the market particularly yeah. the in- institutional investors they pretty much know what the numbers are um, but they want to know what's going to happen in the next yeah. 12 months yeah. okay uh, Josh it's got all the you know gold's popular at the moment mm. copper's popular yeah no we're liking copper at these levels uh, a bit of political turmoil going on and it is such a such an important part of this EV and energy transition so yeah. it's going to take a lot of that infrastructure to come through um, whereas you know last year um, lithium and coal were kind of took the stage a little yep. bit whereas uh, you know I guess as we see that return start to normalize we may start to look down look down at uh, some of the other materials in there so right. copper is definitely one of them uh, really like this company um, you know there are limited sort of options in the in the Aussie market as you mentioned and uh, this one's up and coming they're really just starting to tick up their revenues quite significantly mm. as they get into production so they've got a really large mine uh, in New South Wales and they've got about four um, mining licenses there, uh, but they've got about seven exploration mining uh, right. licenses there as right. well. So it's like 2,300 uh, square kilometres of, okay. of area. So they're just really starting to tap into that. Um, they've been, you know, sort of a little bit hurt by being such a high cost provider because they are a small, smaller um, exploration business. But uh, yeah, I think uh, given the copper tailwinds, this one should do really quite nicely. Okay. Yeah, All right. It's a buy so, from us. Um, a buy for you. And yeah. So is that, where else do you get copper? Is that your preferred copper view? Yeah. Considering Oz Minerals will go to BHP. Yeah, you can't really get into Oz Minerals and you know, even if you're trying to buy it through BHP, that's at all time highs. Um, Not a huge fan of Sandfire over the long term because it's kind of failed to deliver shareholder return over the last 10 years, it's flat is never a good sign whereas this has got the ability to grow um, and have that you know sort of because I was going to ask do they have good management is it respected yeah, by yeah the no, we believe so so um, with this one um, it's been 
It's been around for a while, and obviously, if you if you look at who the major major shareholders are, Soul Pats, you know what they did yep. with New Hope and, and a few of the other Black Brickworks, even were yeah. really strong performers. So, uh, you know, you sort of bet on on the management of them being involved as well. Right. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, uh, good result there for Eris Roger. Thank you for that uh, suggestion. Uh, next up, uh, one of our biggest gold miners, uh, Simon, wants a view. Um, Josh on Northern Star um, gold production in in uh, Kalgoorlie and WA and uh, and also in Alaska mm. on the day that Newcrest announced it's got a, a global bid coming for it. So yeah, gold exactly. miners certainly under the microscope today. Yeah, and they have done like quite well over the last few months with the commodity price. I think with Northern Star, it's a great business, but you are really betting on the underlying commodity price, so it's going to yep. very much track gold. Slightly concerning that gold is at those high levels, it's almost at those those all-time highs. So um, look, I think if you do want that exposure, this is a good place to go, especially with you know all those takeovers coming yep. through. Yep. Um, you know, they're doing the right things, their revenues, earnings and dividends have all hit all-time highs yet again. Um, it usually trades on a little bit of a premium Northern Star to its peers, um, but in the past it's done twice as well as its peers in terms of returns. So mm. that is justified. Um, at the moment it's only a very small premium, so about 0.3 uh, extra than its peers. So yeah, we do believe it's a, a decent one. I just have it at a hold at these levels of gold. Um, you know, it is going to be hurt by a strengthening US dollar. If that does come up from these lows, we saw that happen in the last couple of days yep. specifically. The Aussie dollar's come right <coughs> off in that. Yep. So um, yeah, it's just been trading really inverse to the US dollar, which you know, we've almost got a position in the US dollar now, um, just as a quasi hedge on, on the US market coming off that, you know, right. 20% bounce it's had in the last month or two. Because currencies play a big role in gold and with the miners too, Yeah, definitely, they? specifically the US dollar. So as that strengthens against the basket, it's really going to hurt the overall price, which there's nothing Northern Star can do about that right. coming off. So it's right. just going to track that gold price pretty, pretty spot on. So is that... Northern Star, your preferred miner? Preferred name in the space, and that's further reaffirmed with the buyout coming from Newcrest. So then yeah. again, that's similar to what happened with Oz Minerals and Neris. You know, that's out of the picture. So you're, you're limited in your choices. So if right. you do want gold, I think this is a decent place okay. to go. So so a takeover for Newcrest mm. would be good for Northern Star. Well, it limits no. your options as an investor yeah, yeah. anyway. It becomes the biggest listed one. Yeah. And, that's yeah. Right. and it's always outperformed. So I think you'd want to bet on that management as okay. well. Francesco? Yeah, and, and the other thing is they've got good resources as right. well. So I think there's two, two mines in Cal, around Kalgoorlie yeah. uh, and then the Alaska one that you mentioned, and they're pretty good resources too. So, yeah. um, you know, when you look at it from a point of view of takeover, if it does become a target, um, obviously the focus is on what's in the ground rather yeah. than sort of a lot of the other noise, if you like, in operations because a company that does make an acquisition um, you know, they think that they can actually extract more out of it because of the way it's operating and so yeah. forth. So, yeah, yeah. so it is. It, is um, it does put it back Eddie, on the radar. Any new radar um, raider thinks they can run the business better. better than of course, ones, <laughs> unless, yeah, unless it's Crest, private equity. New, Newcrest has um, always been the biggest. But yes, they're, they're massive. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. But their management isn't as highly regarded as Northern Star. Would you say? Um, look, over over the years, it, 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 you'd say there's been management teams that have been better and some yes. worse. I mean, yeah. obviously, you know, their, their acquisition years ago of Lahir Gold was a, 
terrible terrible acquisition yeah. uh, looked good at the time but yep. um you know they talked it up obviously but um yeah. in hindsight it wasn't that great so yeah look i i, I think you probably at the moment you're probably right i'd say northern star but yeah there are different stages of their life cycle and development yeah. you know northern star is still developing uh whereas newcrest is much much more um developed yeah. and and yeah. you know secure yeah, yeah. um look we, we we have a buy on on northern star and it would be our preferred Right. Um, but the the share price is up up near our valuation, so I, I'd say we probably it's a buy, but probably more a hold now. Right. Let's see what happens with the gold price because um, I think the gold price has shot a bit ahead of where I thought it might go at the moment. Mm. So um, yeah, look, I, I like the I like the business, um, yeah. but at the current price and valuation, I think it's probably more a hold than a buy. Yeah, and the old sort of view that if economies go into uh, recession, there's high inflation, so gold is your friend. Isn't really holding yeah. at the moment, is it? Uh, I think uh, since the GFC, a lot of these rules have sort of become a bit confusing, if you like. Yeah. The, the times over the last sort of 15 to 20 years where they have worked and there's times where they haven't. So. Yeah. Um, I don't trust a lot of those old old rules these days because um, you know you know I've been burnt by, by them sometimes <laughs> as well. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. you learn. Yeah. Um, but um, you're right. I mean, but but you know the gold price is is I think fairly sound at the moment rather than volatile. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. All right. Uh, let's go on to our, our next stock. Dan wants a view. We're going from golden resources to um, uh, to oil now. Uh, Viva Energy. Uh, Francesco, Australia's second largest uh, transport fuel supplier, 15, 1100 locations, uh, just behind Ampol and, uh, and BP. Um, what do you think of Viva? And they own the um, oil refinery as well? Uh, they do, and, and there's not many oil refineries left in Australia. So, no. um, And they're all getting a bit of support from the government too, seen as a strategic asset it I is it is yeah. um so so um i like it uh for one of that that's one of the reasons i like it i mean, obviously you know while there is a shift towards electric vehicles i think um y- y- australians australian consumers when they take up technology um we're, we're quite good at taking up technology early but then we hit a plateau and there's there's always a lag and i think we're going to probably see that lag so so whilst there's a lot of noise around the electric vehicle side of things i still think that the the petrol consumption's um going to remain quite large for a period of time um but that being said a lot of a lot of the the the, the revenue that they gain out of viva is for um um, aircraft fuel and things like that. So, mm. so I don't see much changing there. They also have the bitumen side of the business as well. So it gives a little bit of diversity. Um, it looks relatively um, cheap on a PE multiple. Oh. It's around ten times earnings. At a, a five-year high, the share price. Yeah, pretty uh, close to it. But that, that said, you know the, the PE at around ten, it doesn't improve from there. Mm. It sort of stays flat. So there's not a lot of growth there. It yields quite good fully franked so look i like it uh, you know i would wouldn't say it's a you know massive buy but um it's a we, we have an accumulate recommendation okay. and I, I'd, I'd stick by that i think all right okay um and it, it's fairly defensive it's a consumer you know good yeah. that the people need to get to and from work and things like that flying and you've got that. your convenience stores on site and that's yeah uh, a retail element yeah. to it yeah, yeah. Uh, i think the biggest part of their business is the the, the fuel, fuel and the, yeah right. 
Josh? Yeah, we talk a lot about the energy transition. So obviously there's these new energies coming through, but as yeah. we've seen from the performance of coal and oil this year, that it's not quite there yet. Um, mm. So it's going to be a transition process. And I think um, Viva Energy is definitely doing the right things at the moment. Um, you know, they're trading on a, a PE of 10. Um, but it's a very sort of high earning sector. You know, you look at some of the Ford PEs on a lot of the energy companies, like take Whitehaven, for example. Um, you know, based on their earnings, if, if you know, assuming coal stays at elevated levels, the PE yeah. on that is like Which three. Which it hasn't. Like, <laughs> you know, but the PE on that is like three or four, even accounting yeah. for a bit of a drop off. So, you know, I think um, you've got to be very selective this year. I think last year, energy was the best performer and the rising tide floated all boats. Yeah. This year, you're going to have to be very selective and, and very quick to react, I think, on your energy plays. So for that, I think, you know, given um, it, it's been a nice little uptrend, but it hasn't definitely shot the lights out like some of the other energy plays. Um, I don't think it's in your top. You're hard to please, are you? <laughs> it's at a five-year high. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But compare that with uh, some of the coal and lithium right, stocks. Sure. So, yeah. you know, yeah, it's yeah. doubled, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. but those ones have done five times yeah. and their earnings have done 10 times yeah. compared to this one. So I think, uh, yeah, I think it's a hold. If you're in it, you know, it's definitely going to do well because it's earnings are expected to go up by 120%. It's making home yeah. all the sunshines, but uh, there are better alternatives. You can only have so many energy stocks in your portfolio. So I think uh, this is probably not in your top five, let's say. Okay. But then you've got the oil price, mm. which is down pretty significantly yeah. in the last couple of weeks. Um, natural gas prices mm. have just fallen off a cliff yeah. in the last three weeks. Yeah. Um, so all you know, your Woodside, your Santosses, all of those, you think, mm. gee, the, the underlying sort of commodity has yeah. just fallen through the floor. Well, we're expecting a lot worse European winter. Yes. I think everyone was kind of accounting for that and it hasn't occurred. And then, you know, now we're in heading into summer. So we're sort of repricing yeah. that in a bit. It goes, yeah. you know, it's like it always goes a bit too extreme one way and then the other, yeah. of course. But uh, I think the, you know, because energy and those those uh, commodities did so well in, in 2022, very rarely does a sector back it up and do the yeah. best performance in, in 2023. So we're very aware of that. And I think the returns are just going to normalise. You know, they might flatten right. out, they might pay more divvies, but they're not definitely going to five times okay. like they did. Well, what about your Santos's and your Woodside's? Have they Yeah, look, Woodside's, the Woodside's a little bit concerning given how much revenue it actually does make from that gas side of its business. Yeah. Um, and it's been yet to really price that in so dramatically. So um, definitely some reporting season risk that we see with those companies. Mm. Um, I'd rather just go the direct oil play. Um, yeah. You know, we use an ETF called Triple O because right. oil prices are expected to go higher in the next right. three months and then dip off three months after mm. that. Okay. All right. Are you getting out of oil and gas? Not just yet. These big yeah, not just yet. Drop offs? Yeah, well, probably more waiting for analysts to put numbers through right. their models okay. and that. But um, yeah, um, yeah. What um, what Josh was saying about sort of the the northern hemisphere winter, although the US was um, yeah, certainly hit, the general. Europe wasn't, and yeah, yeah particularly yeah. on the coal side of things, you saw thermal coal the uh, the other day drop twenty five percent overnight. Yes. Um, so it's gone from four hundred dollars US a ton down to two sixty. Yep. I think it is yeah, at yeah. the moment. So it's been a big massive fall in yeah. in some areas of the energy space. Yeah. I saw 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 this natural gas chart the other day, and I went. 
wow, where did <laughs> that come from? Out of nowhere. Yeah. Same with the coal. Yeah. 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 Amazing. All right. Um, Josh, uh, Dan wants, uh, no, Dan wanted uh, Viva Energy. Michael wants a view on Amcor. This is a little bit more stable. Of course, the big international packaging group. Uh, 44,000 employees at Amcor. Um, over 40 countries um, into rigid plastic packaging, food, beverage, healthcare. Uh, it's one of the the great Australian industrial companies, isn't it? Yeah, no, it's got a very long track record and we would view it as a relatively low risk business, even in this environment. Um, there's been a lot of stuff happening uh, with these guys, you know, with COVID and the supply chain issues that were on the back of that. And, yep. uh, you know, with um, consumer sort of spending slowing, it is going to hurt them a little bit, but they've been doing some some good stuff in the meantime. They've got a component of their business where they're they're shipping quite staple uh, products out, so that will always be in demand. Um, and they've managed to do a share buyback recently, so it's very low risk. They're expected to grow by about you know seven to twelve percent in their growth and earnings. Mm-hmm. So I think it's just going to keep doing uh, what it's been doing for so many years and just uh, chugging along. They've had, they actually have um, a, a few operations and they've had to suspend uh, one plant in the Ukraine and three in Russia. So that has impacted yeah. them a little bit. Um, but they're actually selling off those assets and those assets do have a bit of debt uh, attached to them. So, you know, by selling off those assets, yeah, sure, they miss out a little bit on what they've set up over there, but it also cleans up their debt and, uh, you know, helps with things like doing that share buyback. So. Right. A hold from me, relatively low risk business. I think that's probably the ones that you'd want to hold in this uncertain time. Um, so I think uh, no, no need to, to rush and go sell. But uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be buying it just because okay. it's you know, a small return. Francesco, yeah, we're a hold the same. Um, yeah. very defensive, very well run business, particularly for the size of it. You mentioned yeah. how many forty odd thousand, um, you know, employees, um, and it's been running for quite some time. Um, yeah, they have, have um, demerged a number of businesses in the past, and Aurora is a listed company that um, they demerged a number of years ago, which has done well also. Um, yeah, w- we, we maintain it in um, some model portfolios that we run okay. at Orts, um, mainly on the income side of things. Provides reasonably good income, no franking because there's so much overseas earnings, but um, it, it's it's very sound, very dependable, very uh, predictable type of business. Um, and despite you know expectations of economic slowdown uh, over the next 12 months coming, um, a lot of products um, that they provide packaging for are very defensive and, and non-discretionary. So right. um, there's still that sort of certainty of, of production. So yeah, look, we, mm-hmm. we, we've got a hold on it because mm-hmm. of the valuation of it at yep. the moment. Um, but um, yeah, we do maintain it in some model portfolios because of that defensive nature. Okay, all right. Let's, uh, so a hold from both uh, Amcor, let's recap the first uh, five stocks. Nick Scarley, take profits, sell from uh, Fran Francesco, a sell from uh, Josh as well. Josh. Um, both are saying be really careful in retail at the moment. Uh, have we seen the best of it going into a slowdown in the economy, a bit of pressure on people who have mortgages? Um, Josh was saying if there's one retailer maybe to have a look at, it's Baby Bunting, which is uh, in a bit of a league of its own. Uh, seller Dares from Josh, a hole from Francesco, a buy for Eris Resources from both Francesco and, uh, and Josh. Uh, both have a hold on Northern Star. 
Uh, Viva, accumulate from Ords, uh, a hold from uh, Josh and Macro, and Amcor, a hold from both as well. Uh, here at the call, we've been tracking our own high conviction uh, fantasy fund as picked by the investment committee. The December episode is still on the platform, the new one, the new investment committee meeting for February, at a break in January over summer, is up on the platform tomorrow, Tuesday. So way back in December, uh, they got out of Babcor and Domino's, they added Index and Janus and Education, increased their weighting on Elders, and uh, don't forget tomorrow, the new one is up. Since the 1st of March last year, uh, the fund is up 15%. So keep sending your requests in for the call um, for the investment committee because that is the first filter. At CMC, we've been in the game for a while, and although a lot of things have changed, our mentality hasn't. We aim to give experienced traders the best trading experience, like our expert platform with its second-to-none trading tools, plus our pricing is completely transparent. That's why people who've been trading for a long time stay with us for a long time. So if you're serious about trading, switch to the market leader trusted for over 30 years. Trade CFDs your way at cmcmarkets.com. You don't own underlying assets. Consider relevant PDS and TMD or information memorandum for CMC Pro accounts at our website. All of January we had Super Buy. Now in February it is Supercell. Absolutely. If any of our experts on the call disagree with the stock in the call's fantasy portfolio, they can say Supercell. And it comes straight back to the investment committee. All of February, exclusive on Ausbiz, you don't want to miss it. All right, so this is the time we give our panel the opportunity to pick a super sell out of the existing uh, portfolio from uh, the Calls Fantasy portfolio. Is there one stock there, oh gurus on this Monday panel, that you have such a high conviction you'd say nothing? Get it out. Get rid of it. Is there one, Francisco? Yeah, look, I had to look through them all, and there's there's nothing there I would sort of, you know, really panic about. Right. Um, there's a couple there that I wouldn't own. You know, right. something like West Farmers, for instance, because the business has changed so much over the years, yeah. and and the reason why people were holding it, you know, five or ten years ago, and they're still holding it, uh, have changed. It's, yeah. it's a different type of business. It doesn't yeah. have coals in there anymore. It doesn't have a lot of the other businesses. Whilst it still has. Um, um, yeah, Bunnings Hardware and Officeworks yep. and, and some of the agricultural support businesses. Um, they've invested heavily into lithium yeah. um, and I think they need to uh, flex their balance sheet a fair bit to actually get that mm. up and running. So that, that concerns me a little bit. But right. yeah, West Farm is, is not you know, your industrial business like people used yep. to think it was. It's more of a private equity business I see it as these days. So you reckon get rid of it out of Well, uh, yeah, it doesn't portfolio. scare me dramatically but yeah look if anything you know that stood out to me to say well don't need to be there is, is West Farmers. Okay Josh? Well I'll stick on the retail recession theme and I'll be the bad guy with the retail stocks so uh, I put a sell on JB Hi-Fi right yeah. um, hey. but uh, no, no need to be involved in a sector that's going to suffer so yeah. it's one that you know if you've been involved in it for a few years You've, you've doubled and, and you can sell yep. it within 20% of its all-time highs. Yep. So I think, uh, yeah, take, take a break from JB Hi-Fi, okay. good business, but they're not going to be able to control the market All right. environment. 
let's see tomorrow when the uh, when the new investment committee is up on the platform, when they decide to uh, to ditch it or they tell you both to go and get Nick. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this this half hour on the call, we're going to be running the ruler across ResMed, Judo Capital, Invocare, Event Hospitality, and Cochlear. That is a really good mix of, mix of uh, stocks, isn't it? So uh, let's kick it off. Uh, Joe wants a view on, uh, on ResMed. Uh, Josh, uh, of course, a global leader in sleep technology, does the CPAP masks and, uh, and machines. Uh, it is just one of the great um, Australian health, global healthcare companies. You put it with, with Cochlear and, and CSL. Um, now it's run out of San Diego in the United States. That's how international it is. What do you think of Resmet? Yeah, obviously long term, it's a, it's a really strong performer mm. and uh, would like to accumulate um, at the right time and at the right prices. Um, there's a couple of risks is for that, the business. Is it now the right time? I think there's a couple of risks that need to be sort of uh, cleared up. You know, in keeping right. with that theme of cost pressures, you know, it is viewed as somewhat of a luxury healthcare product. Um, although, you know, there's a <laughs> not lot... A, not if you're the partner of a snorer. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe not to partners. Uh, and there is a lot of, uh, you know, sort of um, social pressures on, you know, the health behind breathing specifically, yep. you know, being more important than diet um, and uh, even even exercise, for example. Yep. So I think uh, I think it is good. Um, but yeah, it's just a little bit of a non-essential product right now. And they've had a little mm. bit of pressures with the um, chips and, and things like that, getting the product out there. So I think it's just a hold for the time being. Right. Um, really strong company. They actually have low levels of debt, about 2.2% of their company is in debt. So for a biotech company, um, yeah. it's quite mature in its earnings and stuff yeah. like that. So It came up, up a, uh, must be a couple of weeks ago now, and um, I forget who was on the call at the time that said, uh, Philips is its biggest competitor, yeah. I think. And, and Philips for, efficient poker. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Philips have had problems with their machine, but Resmed doesn't seem to have been able to convert yeah. that mm. into uh, into a major win for them. Um, yeah. So, and you've got Fisher and Pikel in the market now as yes. well as yeah. part of a more diversified product suite. Mm. Uh, what awards? So I learned recently that snoring was a the remnants of maybe the Stone Age days where it was a, a natural uh, protective uh, device to scare away animals when their people are sleeping. Oh, well, that's what I told my wife. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I'm scaring away the robbers, I reckon. It makes a little bit of sense. I mean, <laughs> obviously, it's, yep. it, it has evolved into sleep apnea, <laughs> and that's part of our modern lifestyle, yeah, I suppose, yeah, yeah. with um, uh, you know excess weight and things like that. Right. But anyway, that's a good theory. I thought yeah, about. Yeah, it. Yeah, I thought it was. A broker can always put a positive spin on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah you've got to find a positive spin. Look, I love this company. I think they're really good. Their technology is really good. They're really well managed. They've got a good process. Um, I did a site visit a number of years ago to their to their campus. They call it out there at uh, Bella Vista, Western yeah. Sydney. Um, very very impressive, um, particularly how you know the the technology that comes out of the design area goes straight into the manufacturing plant there in in Sydney. Yeah. Um, they mirror that in places like Singapore. So mm. so it, it's really well run. It's a good market. The the market I think is is. 
um, you know, not saturated at all as you know other countries to expand into like China and so forth. Right. So, so the, the market is 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 large um, and 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 large enough to support you know three competitors. But like you mentioned earlier, um, ResMed seems to have the jump on mm. both of their competitors in yeah. in C, CPAP machines in particular. Uh, there's a number of there's three um, solutions to sleep apnea. One is the CPAP machine uh, for mild. Um, um, sleep apnea, there's oral devices, mm-hmm. uh, and ResMed have bought into a number of companies in oh. the past to support well, the that. Guard type the mouth yep. guard type yep. things, yeah. Um, <coughs> and there's a lot of other companies, mm. a company called Somnomed that develops a, a mouthpiece as well. And then there's the third um, extreme case is, is, is surgery to remove the, 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 the uh, skin in the throat that causes the sleep apnea. Um, so, look, love the business. You know, uh, anytime you see it get sold off, Every time it puts out its quarterly updates, if the margins move by 0.1 of a percent up, the market loves it. If it moves down by 0.1 right. of a percent, the market hates it. They're the time to buy, I say. Right. So but now, we've got an accumulation on it. Oh, look, I don't mind accumulating it at the moment. So, right. yeah, buying, I'm happy to be buying, particularly for long-term portfolios. You know, right. you buy it now or you wait six months and the thing might right. be $5 dearer. You know, so, yeah. you know, if, if it's something okay. for the long term, then I'm happy to be buying. All right. Let's go to uh, to a fintech now, and Dina Francesco wants a view on Judo Capital. Um, this is a fintech that uh, is focusing on lending to small to medium-sized businesses, uh, a bit of home loans and, and personal loans, not much though. It's sort of really two uh, small businesses that want, you know, 250000 to uh, uh to do it. Only only listed in uh, 2021, been going since 2016 though. Uh, what do you think of Judo? Yeah, look, we, we, we don't have coverage on it. I, I don't mind the business itself. Um, you know, business lending is, yeah. is you know, a, a, an area that I think is um, probably underbanked in Australia in some ways, particularly at the smaller end. Yeah. Um, but we're going into an environment where interest rates are rising. We're starting to see more and more uh, companies come under a lot of pressure, particularly small businesses. Um, so, uh, look, I, I, I think there's value there, but I, I'd be cautious going into the next 12 months. So, okay. um, yeah, look, I, I just uh, avoid probably more of the point. If you own yep. it, I'm happy holding it, but, right. but but I wouldn't be buying into it just at, in this point in the cycle. I mean, if you want to get exposure to the financials, your big four banks, are probably the place to be because going into a, a you know a you know, questionable mm. environment for the financial sector. Yeah, record high or uh, Combank is record high though. Is that? Oh yes, no, I'm, not, I'm not suggesting buying them. I'm oh, just right. saying if, oh, if you okay. need to put together a portfolio um, right. and you need to have financials in there, um, I'd probably be looking at the the higher end of the market rather than rather than the, mm. yeah, Josh. Uh, I think it's a, a really strong business um, in the fintech space, new listing on, on, on the market. So it's uh, had a tough run so far, yeah. um, but it is showing showing signs of life. You know, Australian fintech is actually uh, <coughs> quite, quite, uh, quite high up there in terms of its actual technology behind it. And we've got a lot of security systems here as well. So they've made uh, really good sort of margins by focusing on that small mm. to medium enterprise business. Uh, their net interest margin at the moment is about 3.5%. So they should be able to expand that as interest rates continue to peak maybe in June. Um, so yeah, I think taking the opposite strategy, let's just say you already have the financials and you've been involved in them for a long time, 
I think taking a very small portion of your CBA, selling it at all time highs or just a small portion of it and putting it into something like this. Mm. Um, you know, if you're a believer in the company and you're a believer in the, you know, the fact that it can use that technology to um, deliver higher margins, especially in this period, uh, yep. could do really quite well. So okay. yeah, I've got to buy on the company. I okay. like it. All right. Um, and um, really good strong management too. Yeah, a lot of them have come over from, yeah, yeah, previous uh, financial firm experience, which is, you know, the case with a lot of fintech firms as well. So, um, yeah, I guess, you know, you're saying, okay, they've got a good understanding of of the industry, the tech's there, the environment's good, Um, they're just valuations on where they listed were high, which they were for every company Mm. at that stage. So, yeah, yeah, I think uh, it's a good one for the long term. All right. Um, Sam wants to view Josh on InvoCare, the largest cemetery, funeral and crematorium operator in Australia mm. and New Zealand. They own uh, White Lady, Simplicity Funerals, Value crea- Creations, 290 funeral homes, 16 cemeteries and crematoriums. What do you think of InvoCare? Yes, yeah, it's, it's relatively quite cheap as you know the market tends to uh, you know price in these companies that they don't necessarily want to look at or think about. They're always trading at a, at a quite low valuation yep. compared to what the actual business is. So yeah, it's, it's, it's totally fine. I think uh, it's actually had a bit of a tick up in its uh, cremations business from people getting their pet cremated actually. It's a yeah. new, yeah, new yeah. growing area of the market. So um, again, you know, the, the long term for this one is Australia's ageing population, but uh, I just don't think it's in it's in our top 50 of companies we'd like to like right. to be in. So I'd sell. I think those valuations are going to stay quite cheap. It's, it's never going to get a huge uh, share, share price performance for you. So I think, yep. uh, yeah, happy to lighten this one. Yeah, the, uh, the theme always, Francesco, is that the ageing population, funeral homes, do well, but we're living longer, aren't we? <laughs> we are, but I mean that's just the issue. Really. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, eventually, you know, you know, there's going to be a sort of people that that say three, four decades ago, people on average were dying sort of late sixties. Now they're sort of late seventies, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But eventually, the inevitable comes. So, yeah. So, is that a nice way of putting it? That in your taxes. <laughs> yeah, um, your taxes. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, and Joshua was saying the pet. Yeah, that, that, been a that's big interesting because I, I didn't um, sort of I haven't seen that. And, that's and, they, and they've also been turning a lot of their funeral homes into licensed premises as well. So, uh, because people are going wanting wakes there and a party, not just the sombre yeah. Um, yeah, sort so of scones and cream s- and yeah, yeah, sandwiches. So they're, they're looking at ways of, of, of generating more revenue yeah. uh, within the same industry, if you like. Um, and then the other thing is acquisitions because yeah. they, you know, a lot of um, the, the industry traditionally was uh, family-run businesses, so small businesses. Mm. Um, so, so when they do acquire these businesses, they're, they're bought on very low PE multiples. So yeah. um, they're buying them right. cheap and they're getting earnings accretion out of them. Um, I think that's fairly getting to a point where, you know, an acquisition doesn't make a huge amount of difference to them anymore, um, right. whereas five, ten years ago it did. Right. Um, so they're getting to that point where the, the market is starting to be a bit sort of small for them, if you yeah. like. Yeah. Um, so identifying different areas, I didn't know they were doing that because I haven't looked at this stock for a long time. Uh, is quite interesting, but we, we, we have a hold on it. We, right. you know, we think it's priced fairly at the moment. Okay. 
All right. Um, <laughs> so we go from funerals to entertainment, and uh, uh, Jane wants a view on event hospitality, the uh, the big entertainment tourism uh, tourism business. Uh, they have their cinema operations in Australia, New Zealand, Germany, uh, event cinemas, Greater Union cinemas, uh, Ridges and QT hotels. They own the Threadbow Ski Resort and, and Mountain Biking Resort. Uh, everything locked down during COVID. Now, if you want an opening play, event hospitality was suited to that. Francesco, what do you think of them? Yeah, look at the... Try not Gee, yeah, yeah, you're not you're not sounding too excited right no. from the start on it, are you? <laughs> no, well, you got to think. Uh, you know, uh, yeah. I mean, we mentioned earlier in the program that that the ABS numbers came out and yeah. we saw inflation in local tourism and there was a lot yeah. of demand there. Um, the question is, is is that going to peak? Is that the peak yeah. of that? Um, and if it is, then we are we you know on the you know on the precipice to sort of start seeing that decline. So that's a, there's a lot yeah, of business yeah, in yeah. that for for, the, for, yep. for event hospitality. Our guys are very supportive of it. You know, our research analysts are very supportive of it. And we've got a you know, valuation well above where it's trading, about $19. Um, wow. I, I'm, I'm, I'm a little pessimistic about that. I, I, I'd be concerned um, with, you know, what we've just talked about with, you know, Right. You know, yep. Owning hotels and cinemas and that, we're starting to see right. the, the, the household uh, budget's going to get you know, squeezed because of higher mortgage yep. rates. That, does that mean I'm not going for a trip to the cinema um, mm. and a snow cone? I'm going to sit at home and just scoop the ice cream out of okay. the bowl. So but your analysts have $19 on it. Yeah. It's never, ever got there yeah. in the last five years, even pre-COVID. No. The boom there. Yeah. Well, gee, they're, they're optimistic. optimistic. Yeah, so that's, so you're that's saying a little bit cautious. Are you saying they're talking rubbish? No, no, not at all. Um, not saying they're talking rubbish at all. <laughs> I, you know, I, 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 I just, I just struggle with their valuation. That's all. Right. Um, so um, whilst they've got a buy on it, I, I'd be more of a hold than than anything right. else. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> Francisco being very diplomatic because he's got to go back to the office <laughs> after this. Uh, Josh, what do you think <laughs> on event? Uh, I actually really like it. It was my... Oh, you reckon it could go to 19? Well, the average, uh, it's a bit optimistic, but the average uh, analyst consensus is about 17. Mm. Um, and that is the, the recent high for the stock. So I always right. like when things match up in mm. the markets. It usually comes true if a so, lot of so things what match is it, up. 16, 25 at the moment? Or? Uh, 14 and 14, change. 14, 14 and change. 14, 14, yeah, it was actually yeah. my um, event calendar that you guys did for right. the Christmas period. And right. it was around the low 12s, bottom of the range there. Uh, and happy to hold it into the report. Um, they have released a quarterly where they spoke about that Threadbow Resort. Yeah. And, uh, you know, in that, the numbers are hugely profitable. It's up 27% in revenues and 42% in earnings on that component of their business. Uh, and then the core component, which is the event cinemas, they've really started to few, see a few blockbusters that have come out recently, mm. really support their growth. and. Uh, Hollywood's only really just starting to pump those out. There's a lot of blockbusters that are due to come out in 2023. Right. So I think that does support their business. You know, there's a lot of, look, you know, we've spoken a lot today about the cost pressures and things like that. The one area of spending that hasn't felt that at all has been travel and tourism. Yeah. So, you know, you've got things like Webjet and Qantas trading at highs. Um, it is somewhere where people were choosing to spend their money, obviously pent up pent up demand 
from being locked down for two years. So I think that's in this category. International is coming over with the helping out with those hotels. And uh, yeah, really strong management. They didn't issue new shares like Flight Center and Webjet did during the tough times. They actually sold one of their hotels at about 20% premium. Right. So mm. yeah, really strong management. They sold another one just recently. So they've got a really healthy balance sheet to do pretty much whatever they like. And they, they chose to put it into that Threadbow area. Okay. Which I think will be a good decision for them. They, management spoke about it a lot in their AGM. So, you know, usually management don't talk about uh, the bad parts of their business for too long in, in an AGM. So they're really focused on that. So I think we'll see those numbers come through. It'll reach that average consensus, which is also the all-time high. And uh, yeah, all bets are off once it hits that. Okay. So you're a buy on it? Yep. Okay. All right. Uh, our final stock up for, uh, for a look today from Liam. Uh, Josh, he wants a view on Cochlear, the other great global health care company uh, based here in Australia. The Cochlear Implant, of course. Um, has around half of the global market share. It was discovered by Graham Clark here uh, and um, is just changes people's lives who yeah. are hearing impaired. Another great Aussie biotech yeah. um, that's become just an absolute market world leader. Um, they actually um, dominate about 60% of the, the global market. So, um, and 80% of that is from developed countries. Right. So they're starting to move into uh, those more developing countries. Mm. And you know that's gonna add a lot for that business long-term. Um, that being said, you know if-, if They won't be able to charge the price, will they? Well, you know, it is a very expensive product as yeah. well. It's anywhere, depends on you know, the Medicare rules at the time, but uh, anywhere from twenty-five to $50,000 per device. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're not going to go to the cinema for fifteen dollars, you're probably not going to spend fifty grand on, no. uh, you know, helping, uh, you know, hear a little bit better. So, unfortunately, uh, it's going to be one of those things that uh, is going to be a premium product for people. Just in the short term, I think over a five, ten year period, this is obviously a really strong performer, right. like a Resmed as well. So, just a hold for now. I think okay. it's a good performer. You just sit there and hold and yep. ride out this market cycle on a on a market leader. Francesco? Yeah, look, um, great business, yeah. great products, um, but at this price, I think it's probably a bit high. Yeah. Um, so I'd be patient if I was looking to buy. Um, they've released a new product called Nucleus 8. Um, so they've only just started sales towards the end of last year, I think it was. So it'll be interesting to see how the numbers are coming through um, when they report their results. I think uh, on Wednesday, the 15th of February, I've got here. Right. Um, so, so that'll be interesting. Um, there's a bit of caution around their operating expenditure. Um, so, um, and then the other caution is they have had product recalls in the past. Um, so, so that's yeah. always a concern with these types of products. With the new products. Yeah. yeah, because a product recall can become expensive for, mm. for any medical company. But um, look, uh, uh, you know, similar, I, I like the business um, and, and the products that they offer to, and, and how they support you know, people's hearing. Um, particularly young children, you see the the look on their face when they get an implant. Mm. Uh, to see that, um, you know, that it's pretty impressive. Um, but at these prices, we're we're a hold on the stock. Right. Okay. A hold as well. Yeah. All right. Let's recap the uh, the final five stocks um, on Resmed, uh, Francesco, and all to have an accumulate on a hold from Josh. Judo, the reverse, uh, a buy from um, from Josh, a hold from Francesco. Uh, Invocare, a hold for Francesco, a sell from Josh. Um, event Hospitality, a hold from Francesco, a buy from Josh. 
and both have a hold on Cochlear. Francesco Destratus from Ords, good to see you, mate. Love to see you, Dave. Thank you. Josh Barker from Macro. Thanks for having me. Likewise. Um, now, if you've got any stocks you'd like us to cover here on the call for me to put to our expert panel, um, just put them in an email to call at ausbiz.com.au or tweet us using the at TV handle. Keep watching Ausbiz uh, for more market news and views. The Pulse is next. Stick around. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.